This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. It was, a, it was kind of a long game until that point. It really wasn't going our way. We didn't get anything going. It didn't, it didn't deter our guys one bit. Um, after being on the road for a little while and you come in here and you play a day game, the guys just kept fighting and uh, the at-bats were excellent we got to some very good pitchers and then had some really just key moments and there were several of them we needed a lot to happen in those last couple uh, of innings at the plate and uh and we did it and th- those are not games that you don't see games like that very often it was uh one that i i think i'll i'll always remember in in one way shape or form see don't you guys feel kind of stupid oh yeah just all the the complaining last week on this show just just bitching about the front office and the manager and royce lewis byron buxton some of the pitching decision i mean judd you were quite frankly to throw you under the bus the most vocal of all of us mm-hmm. don't you feel a little bad they, they they just they've got like the fourth best run differential in the american league now mm-hmm. i went back and checked because i feel so bad i found that new york talk stations in the 20s went after the 27 yankees really hard too Oh, so the, okay. So the, yeah, in 27, I, so I didn't they even went after the Yankees. Radio existed yeah, in you know what? You know what? They did, and um, it's oh, the same baseball. exact. And it's the same exact thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably talk a little bit slower, but yeah, I mean, listen, the Twins are a great club and uh, fantastic. To, yeah, I feel really, I'm really <laughs> embarrassed. Really, we are the we are the straw that stirs the drink. Maybe I guess on the show. So this is um, this is Mackie and Judd, daily Minnesota sports entertainment therapy speculation, and it's a statements Monday on the show. So. I think lately we've 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 been sort of categorizing our statements, and it helps with uh, our YouTube channel too. People like things categorized, and so <laughs> let's start with twins. <laughs> yes, they like lists, lists. And categories, and Listicles. rankings, and yes. things. So let's start with the twins here. Can I start us here? Can I bet? Can I? Sure, that lead off. Lead off. Yeah, go yeah. right ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. All right. Why okay. not? So you bring <laughs> up early nineteen, uh, you know, nineteen hundreds, nineteen twenty seven Yankees, Yankees. baseball answers. It's actually a brilliant segue because my first se- my first statement is Luis Arais is a time traveler yeah. from the early 1900s. I bring to you guys, I was just kind of curious because he reminds me of Tony Gwynn a little bit. I'm not going to go quite that far, but just like he's kind of like a, a diet Tony Gwynn, right? Just doesn't strike out, puts the ball in play, high batting average. And I thought baseball reference has a section on every player's page. Every player in the history of baseball, they have a comparisons section. And it tells you, you know, through the age that you're at, who are the closest comps, 
for your you know for your career projection, who are the closest comps? When you go to Luis Arise's baseball reference page, the closest comparisons for him were all born in the 1800s. Really? I am not kidding. Interesting. Yes. Okay. It's literally all guys like there's one guy I closed out his page here, but it's like a guy that was born in 1849 with a giant Civil War mustache that played for the Redlegs or something oh, in the yeah. 1870s. That you know they the they didn't great. have fences basically back then. <laughs> uh-huh. Catchers didn't wear masks or gloves. They just stood back there and took foul uh, tips off the nose. Hey, bada, bada. <laughs> so the, the the closest comps. That, so what I'm saying is there is there is no comp in modern day baseball like what we're seeing with Luis Arise. Wow. You got Doc Prothro, yeah. John Kelleher, Lou Fonseca, <laughs> and Ezra Sutton. Yes, thrown around the old diamond. And Luis Arais. Wow. It's like 50 years before uh, you know any Venezuelan players were even allowed to play in Major League Baseball. But you, like, first of all, you don't see a lot of high batting average guys. Here's another one for you, okay? Since the year 2000, mm-hmm. Luis Arais has the fourth highest batting average of all all hitters in baseball since the year 2000, behind only Barry Bonds, Vladimir Guerrero Sr., and Todd Helton. Now, those guys also hit like, you know, 40 bombs every year right. or 73 home runs. So he doesn't, he doesn't quite bring the, you know, the, the slugging power. But how do you feel about Luis Arias basically having no comp in modern day? But he's just his own category. You have to go back to the 1800s to find players who slapped the ball around the field. There's Luis. All right, uh, around yeah. second base now. Yes. Look at oh, look at him go. Look at him run. He's so good. Uh, I'm really surprised. I would have thought that there would be 70s, ni- 1970s, or 1960s comps. I mean, I thought, you know, he's he's not Carew, but I mean that comp you see it. Um, yeah, I would. I am not surprised. There's no modern day present comps. I am. I really thought that through the 60s, 70s, 80s, they'd at least have a couple. Not the 1890s. That is really interesting. It's amazing, man. Yeah, it's. Uh, but I mean, he, he's he would fun to watch. He would fit in perfectly back in like 1912, yeah. where he's just <laughs> slapping the ball Spikes around. High, Elias goes in. Spikes high against Ty Cobb. Look at the Georgia Peach. She's upset about that. Look at he's saying something. Yeah, that's pro- pro- probably something racist yeah, because he's yeah. Ty Cobb. Probably yes. something racist. I'm right, sure. Which, well, by the way, we'll we'll get to that later oh, too God. from mm-hmm. the, from the weekend. Well, Mackie and I are on the same page here because uh, my statement too was professional hitter and. We were kind of you're teasing it a little bit there, but I, I'd also like to play, pay homage to our friend Rami Makloff, who really coined the Luis Arise and the Arise off that he used to do with do we, fans. Do, do we ever capture his? Oh, we never. Do we have anything it. in the system? I don't we think. Should, we well, should, I probably have something instead of that I can search for here. But how, how about this? I'll do you one better because I think Rami would be very proud of me for how far I have come, not just as a broadcaster and an individual, but also with my Luis Arise. Impression here, so you guys. Oh ready? wow, you're gonna fi- you're gonna fire it up. I'm, right gonna, I'm, I'm gonna fire it up. Luis, nice. How about that, Rami? Wow. How about wow. that? That's good. That was good. <laughs> Not bad. It sounded like you gargled his name right out, like yeah, you're yeah. fresh breath now. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> oh my god, not just ruined it, but but at the same time, <laughs> professional That's hitter. Good. He's from the he's from the eighteen hundreds. I'm like gonna gargling. do my best to not try to get rest do the rest of this. But in a thousand, he's had over a thousand plate appearances. Okay, just seven career seven home runs to his name. A thousand plate appearances, seven home runs, hundred and five walks, and ninety six strikeouts. The dude is an on base machine. 
He's also like worth the price of admission just to watch in the batter's box. Yes. He is He's very theatrical. He, he is yeah. very theatrical. And I kind of like I kind of respect that as a guy who couldn't hit uh in, in Little League or any type of actual baseball. I was like kinda like that as well, trying to do obnoxious things to throw the pitcher off or even like just to throw my own psyche off to just think I could hit the ball. So uh Luisa Rise, professional hitter. And uh, homage to my guy, Rami Makhlouf, there with the Luisa Rizoff. And the dude knows the strike zone. And in the ninth Sunday, he got absolutely screwed. And he knew it, and he didn't go ballistic, but he knew it. And he is, is there a bigger difference in in switching players at first base than going from strikeout machine Miguel Sano to a f- what five foot nine, five foot eight, arise. He's like, listed at five ten, but yeah, okay, maybe so with probably, high, maybe with high cleats on. Exactly. <laughs> but anyway, to go from a guy who basically every time he comes up, homers or more likely strikes out, and just absolutely like brings things to a halt, and then this guy who absolutely keeps things going. Yeah, and I think that you know part of the problem, not to pour water on this, but. Luis arrives at first base. It's going to be hard because, you know, position-wise, a lot of the guys who are competing against him in that bin for value at first base are going to be much bigger OPS and power hitters than he is. Absolutely. But, I mean, hell, if he if he keeps hitting 320 with a 400 on base percentage, it's a little bit like when the Twins put Joe Maurer, like a different player, but similar statistical profile, right? Mm-hmm. 300 batting average, 400 on base percentage, not a lot of power. I think Maurer was a better defensive first baseman, but it kind of works. And the fact that you've got at some point, you know, Royce Lewis is going to be back up providing offense at a different position, uh, and so I kind of like it. You know, the, the Twins have had some moments in the last fifteen twenty years where they just put a put a player at a position that you wouldn't think like, okay, Nick Punto, you're going to be our starting third baseman now in two thousand six, and it just works. And he had, and he was the best defensive third baseman, and he hit enough to stay at that position. So Luis arrives at first base is kind of weird. It's not something you would have planned for going into the season, but I mean, it just it just kind of works. It beats the strikeouts. It beats seeing Miguel, you know, slouch back, strikeout, head down, slams the bat. It beats that. All yeah, right. and one one last note on this because you brought up Sano. For the people that say, well, strikeouts don't matter. What's the difference? Putting the ball in play, yeah. especially now, we, we've gone so far toward strikeouts and just, yeah, it doesn't matter, right? Look how many more times per game, per month, per season, Luis Arise puts the ball in play compared to Miguel Sano. And, oh, you know, absolutely. 30% of those become hits. It's math. I also think that with the um, the ball clearly being far more dead now, that strikeouts might become a bigger deal because home runs are going to not be as plentiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it was, well, it's all home runs and strikeouts. This is awesome. And now it's like... It's now like, it's strikeouts and flyouts. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Warning track power ain't the same, baby. All right. Yeah. All right. My statement is this about the Twins. The return of resilience. If you guys recall, beyond the Bomba squad of 2019, one thing that on the show we talked about constantly that year was the resilience. They didn't lose three consecutive games. They they would go through a rough game or go through a rough something, but they would bounce back. Like, there was something about that team up until, of course, they got to the playoffs. But in the regular season, that team had the ability to bounce back quickly. Yesterday, and granted, Casey's not good. I get that. But yesterday was that. it. Was, they were dead. 
They were absolutely dead. And they got a hit, and it's like, okay, you know, Dick's like, oh, they got a guy on base. I'm like, Dick, stop. And and then they get another guy on base. They got another guy on base. I'm like, Dick, stop. And then but, Dave Benz jumps in and says they've cut the lead to 17. So anyway, the resilience that we saw yesterday, and I feel like there, there's a resilience that we've seen through the first couple months from this team, period. We didn't see, first of all, at all in 2021. That was out the door. And the home runs in 19 were great. But I think the thing that impressed me most was their ability to stop what looked like it could be a skid. And I think yet, I think coming back on the road, you've won two. At that point in time, in what, six games of the road trip, you've lost one game. So, like, if you lose, all right, big deal. Yeah, mission, came, mission accomplished. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But they came back and showed to me a resilience that that speaks very well no matter what team you're playing against for the mindset of this team, which a year ago, I think it's fair to say, was really bad. Yeah. Well, that's a good segue into I, I can help answer sort of why they are so resilient. Or maybe maybe you would argue that they are resilient, therefore, my next statement, which is the Twins are measurably one of the five best teams in baseball right now. Now, we'll see if they can continue it. And, you know, there's you know there's some hot, couple hot bats here and there that you wonder about. Like, Celestino has been amazing filling in for Byron Buxner. He's batting like 340 or something and extra base hits. But right now, they are third in team OPS. They are fifth in runs allowed per game. And they are fifth in ultimate zone rating defensively, which is just sorry. I won't get into how the sausage is made, but it it's Fangraphs' way of quantifying range and defense and uh, and batted balls converted to out. So third in OPS, fifth in runs allowed, fifth in ultimate zone rating defensively. So they're basically a top five team in offense, defense, pitching. Pitching mm-hmm. kind of blends together with defense there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing too is when you look at some of the offensive numbers, you might say, "Well, wait a second. The offense hasn't even really come around yet. How can, how are they third in in offense or third in OPS? Because we're basically back to the dead ball era <laughs> offense, like exactly. you mentioned. Yes, the league average OPS is below seven hundred for the first time in God knows how many years. Yes, the average runs per game are closer to what they were in nineteen sixty six than anything we've seen in recent years. Now, does it cha- does baseball change the ball again? You know, did did the lack of spring training at bats play a factor here? <laughs> Not this much. I mean, at this point, we're almost two months into the season, and so it just it just feels like it is what it is. I don't know that this is this is probably a side conversation. I don't know that this is the best way to make baseball more fun by getting rid of offense. Um, but the Twins are taking advantage, and uh, and they're top five in all these categories. Top I think five ball club. I think the important thing here too is is this. I think. The Twins have done and deserve credit for adjusting to being a more athletic team because it's necessary now. Because you literally can't be like, well, we're just going to send, we're going to continue to send our boppers up there. Like that is not working. So they deserve credit, I think, for adjusting. And, And look, this team at shortstop is so superior to 2021, right? Completely superior. Uh, First base, they might not have the power, but they have a superior player. So, like, I like I like the direction that the Twins have been forced to go, and I feel like they're adjusting to it pretty well. Haven't they been looking for – correct me if I'm wrong here somewhere, but they had a couple years of Bartlett, and they traded him. 
I mean, Christian Guzman was the starting shortstop for like five years. Is that the last time they were stable yes. for a multi-year stretch? They've had a couple, they had a, a decent year or two, like J.J. Hardy. Right, but they traded okay him right away. Minute. No, and in fact, I think we did this on, on the old show, Phil. I want to say four or five years back. Opening day shortstops, basically, I think, post-Guzman or Bartlett. It just changed every yeah. year. It changed. There was a Pedro Florimone in there. And Correa point. might change, too. Yeah. But guess what? There's a possible... Uh, replacement behind him who you'll take in a second. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. Possible placement. All right, my next statement is these games matter. They got the Royals. They have the Tigers. They actually will play the Tigers like five games in a row here next week because they rescheduled a game from July and stuff. So they have the lowly Royals and the lowly Tigers. Now, terrible teams, okay? Oh, God, awful teams. This AL Central is not a good division. But you know what? Rack up and eat these W's, Jameson, Will, uh, Jameson Winston. Like, you should be able to beat up the on w, these Phil. crap teams, eat man. Eat the W, baby. Eat it. Eat it. <laughs> How? Boneless, bone-in, doesn't matter. The eat least leadership thing I've ever seen. W's. Because um, after this, too, by the way, you got three in Toronto where you never play well. Yep. You're home against three for the New York Yankees. That says it everything you need to know. And then you go to, and then you're also um, at home against Tampa Bay. So, like, there are some. Tough teams that are going to be coming to Target Field here uh, after this softy schedule with Kansas City and Detroit. Eat up these W's, man. Distance yourselves in the AL Central. You're obviously not going to take all those series against Toronto, New York, Tampa Bay. But if you can get position yourself that you can get these W's early, it makes life a lot easier when you get towards the end of the season. So get these now, W's. And I'll tell you what, if you're having performance issues, here's a W for you. Valley Park Medical Clinic can be a huge W for you. Mm-hmm. In a very important area because they provide breakthrough ED remedies to men in the greater Minneapolis area. The treatments are surgery-free, drug-free, and non-invasive. And their approach is medical. You'll meet with a medical provider. They'll review your entire medical history, examine you, etc. And they'll work with you in a discreet manner to make you feel at home so you can ask any question in a professional and confidential environment. ValleyParkMedicalClinic.com. That's ValleyParkMedicalClinic.com. Uh, boys, over on Underdog Fantasy, <laughs> curious to know how uh, <laughs> a crazy golf weekend went for old Dex. Dex, oh, help me. Boy. I had a, on Friday. Yeah, yeah, I did help you. I did help you out a little bit. Old Dex tweets uh, made a little deposit into his PayPal account this morning after a very <laughs> successful weekend on Underdog Fantasy. Way to go. Uh, yes, it, uh, good pickums, good parlays. I Actually, I think the best part about Underdog Fantasy for me is the PGA Tour pickums. Because you get, you get, it's very... It's very simple to do. And also, like, they were discrediting my guys like Ricky Fowler. They put Ricky Fowler like a 76. I'll, I'll slap that under on, on Fowler. That's still a plus day. But, hey, I'll take that every single time. And Underdog Fantasy makes it easy for you. Even yesterday, a little parlay action on the Warriors and Mavericks game. It's a, it's a fun way to get a sweat on game. It's, it's now my new favorite way. <laughs> To bet on sports. Yeah. Is just and, although, and although we don't want to guarantee results on this show, we can guarantee that if you sign up with the promo code SCORE, S-K-O-R, Underdog Fantasy will double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. So easy, Judd can do it. UnderdogFantasy.com and the Underdog Fantasy application. All right, I think we're back to Judd here. We are indeed, and I'm going to steal an ESPN line from way back when with my next statement, and my statement is this. Embrace the debate. So I've been giving this great thought. Like last week, right? We had the the Buxton debate kicked us off. And then 
Lewis got sent down, and that became a complete debate. And then Paddock had surgery, Tommy John, second time since 2016, and that became a debate. And like, I felt like fans were like, "Can't you? Just, can't can't we all just enjoy the fact that this team is good and not complain? Just don't don't complain for once." You know what? I realized this. You know what complaining means? It means one, we care, and two, we're engaged. If no, this, I think it just means it means three. You're just negative and if, can't find any joy in sports or life. Yeah. If this team had 14 wins right now, you know what? We would be complaining about that, and we really wouldn't care. Like, we'd be like, whatever. Buxton can play. You know, Buxton play. Who cares at this point, right? But they're a first-place ball club, and they are they look like they're good. And that causes us to debate because that's what's fun about sports. But the most important thing about sports is you have to be engaged into the team to actually care about going back and forth on Twitter or, or uh, verbally sparring. So... I say when it comes to the Twins, embrace the debate about them because it's actually a really good thing. It means that we could be in for a summer where we all care about what they do and what appears to be minutia to some absolutely matters. Yeah, I think what what I just after reflecting over the weekend here, and it's a you know, they're beating up on the Royals, but they've done some things that make me scratch my head, but they've also put together a really good team. And we did praise the hell out of the offseason moves. I mean, they went on a month-long spree of just yeah. re- really good moves. I mean, the, you know, the Paddock thing was, in retrospect, maybe you know, maybe do a Google search about his UCL injection from last September. But They clearly knew, man, and didn't care. Yeah, they, they rolled the dice. The Mets killed it. But yep. I think it's 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 time in the moment here to, to largely celebrate what they have done here, and I'm curious to see how it plays out. If they're in this position still in two months from now, Swing a big trade. Frankie Montas is still sitting out there, but that, that'll be a topic, though. Yeah, like I don't foresee this team at this point just going on a ten-game losing streak or something. They got enough guys in their rotation: Sonny Gray, Joe Ryan, that can put a stop to things. So, yeah, it's this has been a blast so far this season, and uh, I don't take back anything I said last week because I'm still critical of some of the things that they've done. Yeah, or not critical. I think things were worthy of questioning, and I don't know that we were getting enough answers, like on the Byron Buxton thing. The Chris Paddock thing, right, with the elbow. Like, I yep. just, they're, they're just, someone needed to look under the hood at those things. And, well, I guess we I guess we accomplished that on this You show. deserve to be questioned until you win at least a playoff game, if not a series. That'd be great. That's where you, that's where, that's where I think we pivot. Because, yeah, Pivot. beat Pivot. up, Dex is right. These wins all count, but you know what now? Beat up on the big boys when you play them, win a playoff game, and all of a sudden Judd's coming around. All right, I'm going to nitpick a little here, Uh-oh. a little bit here with my next statement. Uh-oh. Which is 13 pitchers is plenty. All right, this is a quote from Rocco in the Star Tribune yesterday. I'm just gonna, I'll read you the, the, the paragraph that leads into the quote. Major League Baseball intends to begin enforcing a new rule that limits teams to 13 pitchers on their active roster at any one time. Now, does that start this at the end of this month that I see, or does it start next year? Uh, no, I the think 13th. it starts. It starts like May thirty. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so uh, the subject of limiting to thirteen pitchers gets Rocco Baldelli a little worked up. "Quote: I'm hopeful that we'll be, we'll be able to just keep fourteen pitchers for the rest of the year." There it is. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, "I'm hopeful." Again, I don't ask for many headlines, but quote: "Manager hopeful to keep fourteen pitchers." Would not be one that I'm opposed to seeing. Please put that out there somewhere. <laughs> he's asking the the media. He's you know kind of tongue in cheek, but not really. Right. 
And so I, I think this is less of a twins problem that I have, and it's more of a sort of the, the direction of baseball that we're not talking about like going back to the 50s and the 60s. Up until a couple of years ago, teams rolled with 12-man pitching staffs. I mean, hell, I covered the Twins beat less than 10 years ago, and it was like, are they going to have 11 or 12 pitchers? <laughs> and now managers are begging to keep 14 because of the way that teams have chosen to operate with their starting pitchers. Mm-hmm. You know they have they have chosen to a you know cut these starts off after four and five innings because third time through the lineup oh my god how can a pitcher possibly navigate right and b because they're afraid of arm damage elbows shoulders although there's a great book written by Jeff Passan from a few years ago called The Arm in which he does a 400 page expose talking to anybody and everybody Tommy John back in the 70s all the way up to you know new front office analytics guys. And there really is no definitive way to keep a pitcher's arm healthy uh, other than just not pitching. Right. Period. Right. So, so like, the things they're doing, oh, let's let's cap him at 80 pitches. There's no evidence that shows that there, like there's not fewer arm injuries now than there were 10 or 15 years ago. So I guess what I'm saying is baseball managers and organizations have decided, whoa, starting pitchers need to be taken out after four or five innings now. That's why we need 14 pitchers. And I think the game should push back and say, well, you know what? For over 100 years, pitchers threw way more pitches than this. Figure it out. You're going to be capped. So I'm glad that they're capping them at 13 pitchers. It's plenty. Your thoughts? Poor Rocco. I just I feel terrible for him. I, I, let's make it 16, okay? Let, let's just have a whole roster of pitchers. No, I think it's ridiculous. And look, I want, it, if offense is going to go down as much as it's plummeting right now, there's actually a case to be made that if you're baseball, you want a decision to, to be made that I'd prefer to not have my starter go a third time through, but he's going to have to, to create more offense. Like like this whole thing, it used to be it feels like specialization was Tony Fosses. Cardinals pitcher would come in to face Tony a lefty. Fosses. Tony Fosses, great rotisserie pitcher because he did because he was great against against left-handed batters. But the fact was now it's all Phil, you're right. Like, okay, we got to get this guy out of there now. And we got, like, what was stupider than when than when the Rays took Snell out in the World Series? Like things like that. I would, I would, I'd far rather challenge them because they don't have the pitching depth to do that and say, make a decision here. Um, yeah, so yeah, exactly. I'm with you completely. And, and I would argue that if they've deadened the ball and you want to possibly get the ball in play more. Forcing pitchers to stay in at times is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Well, sh- shouldn't there be something? And now I feel like like old man yells at cloud here, but I'm I'm literally referring to five years ago baseball. I'm not referring to like the '90s or right. the '80s here. I'm referring to okay, and it, and and there wasn't a cap on how many pitches you could have, but it was just sort of generally accepted that you have a 25 man roster now. It's 26. Huh? And uh, and you're going to keep 11 or 12 pitchers in the National League. You you were probably going to have the extra position player because of double switches and substitutions and things. And so if you told teams, whatever you cap it at, 12 pitchers or 13, there's going to be a cap. You do not get 14 pitchers. Figure it out. Right. For over 100 years, like you know, other than Dave Dravecki, look that one up. No one's arm fell off. <laughs> you know, Tom Browning's did too. It snapped. Did it? Okay. Yeah. They're... Actually, no. Joel Zumaya. Yeah. Yeah. His, I was standing his, there when that happened. So. His arm snapped too. It's just a loud yeah. bang, Dex. It's no big deal. <laughs> gross, dude. So gross. It is really gross. Ugh. Okay. All right. One All right, more Dex. for me here. Uh, speaking of pitchers, 
and pitchers that don't need pitch counts and whatnot. Joe Ryan. Joe Ryan shoves, dude. This was a great trade by the front office. We were just ripping the front office for Chris Paddock, and there are definitely blunders that are to be pointed out from the Derek Falvey and Thad Levine era, but this one honestly might be one of the best acquisitions they made. They got a front-line pitcher for two months of Nelson Cruz, and Joe Ryan continues to have an unreal start uh, to his career. Eight starts this year, ERA at 2.28, allowing just six hits per nine. Like, no one is getting hits off this guy at all has great control, keeping the ball in the yard for the most part. Everything you want in a front-line pitcher, man. Joe Ryan shoves. Great front-of-the-line pitcher. They need him because this rotation still is not great, but he's he's their stopper right now, and he's their ace. He's been a damn good pitcher for the Twins. And have you seen what's happened to Nelson Cruz this year? Yes. He's and gone bad. off the He's, he's finally 41 years old. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It was coming at it's, some point it's in time. Really you can't bad. keep playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he's slugging two ninety six this Ooh. season for Washington. Oh yeah, it's ugly. He's had a couple so good they, games. That's it. So they literally, I mean, it's of all the mistakes they've made as a front office with some of the trades and signings, they offloaded him right before the edge of the cliff yep. and got, like Declan said, a frontline starter who's under team control. Yeah, I mean, maybe he turns it around, but he's forty one. He's batting two hundred four, slugging two ninety six. He has five extra base hits in thirty eight games. Ugh. I'm good, dog. Yeah, going no, me, dog. I'm good with that one. Yeah. Uh, do you have one more statement, Jerry? Do you want to do before, before the weekend? No, I got one more. I got one more. Okay. All right. Because it, it's the one. It, it, it's a very Judd-like thing. Can we please end, end this? Oh God. Poor Jose Miranda. I don't know what the poor guy did in a past life or something, but the Twins keeping him up. He is now seven for sixty with thirteen strikeouts. Did he raise his batting average over the weekend? He, pro- he probably did. He's seven. <laughs> he's over hundred now. He's seven for sixty. Zero for three with another strikeout. Sunday when Larnick came up, he was supposed to go down, but then what? Stashik went, went on the IL, so that that was the move. And poor Jose Miranda, honest to God, just just put him in St. Paul. Allow him to work on things. I don't know what. But this is painful. This team is too good to justify uh, torturing this poor guy by keeping him up and trying to play him. And look, he can't hit the poor guy, the Royals and A's. What happens if they play a good team? He's going to be in big trouble. Okay, when are we going to know when Royce Lewis is ready again? So he's he's played four games for the Saints since being sent down. Shortstop twice. Two three-hit games in those four. He's played twice at shortstop, once at third, once in left field. Yes, he's How many times does he need to play at third base before he gets called back up again, I guess? I believe he has six hits at shortstop since being sent down and zero playing left and third, which Patrick loves to point out. Can we correlate that? No, of course not. Of course we can. I'm kidding. Um, I have no idea. And that's my point is, unless he was going down, what Royce said actually, I thought, made some sense, right? If he was going down to play shortstop, because you're like bound and determined, he's got to play more short. He's not. He's just not good enough there. I'd be like, okay, I don't agree with that still, but okay. But yeah, left field, third base. And again, Miranda was arbitrarily put at first base. Like he has no idea how to play first base. And yeah, it's like, Nick Gordon, Nick Gordon played yes. center field against the Yankees so, last year for the first time since he was 12. So if you're doing this to like move him around, we got to move Royce around. Come on. Seriously, it didn't well, lacking sense. I think I, I understand. Okay, we're winning right now, and you know it's it's he was definitely adding and contributing to yes. winning for the two weeks, and so I think you can get a guy used to a different position during. I think what I would have done, and I said this a week ago, is 
Forget all the mental gymnastics of like, well, but like, who are we? You know, uh, we can't send a pitcher down because the Twins need fourteen pitchers, and we'll like Nick Gordon's out of options. I would, I would ignore all that, and I would say, who are your best players on your twenty-six man roster? And is Royce Lewis one of the five? Let's call him one of the five to ten best players in the two weeks that we saw him on your roster. And I think the answer is unequivocally yes, and the energy he brings, and even like the leadership. He's always been a great leader at every level. You could just there was a feeling to him. Guys kind of gravitated, right? Yep. And so I would start with, how do we keep him on the big league squad? If he can't play shortstop because Carlos Correa is back, could he DH for, let's say you got you know five or six games in a week. Could he DH for four of them? Maybe he sits for a couple days. And behind the scenes, he's just taking 1,000 fly balls in left field or 10,000 ground balls at third base before batting. These guys go out sometimes. You know, you, you know, batting practice starts three hours before the game. Sometimes these guys are out there five, six hours before a game taking extra fielding drills. You know, the fans aren't in the stadium, but could you do that with him? So I would just get him back, man. Get him back up here yeah. and and keep adding to this cushion you have in the American League Central. And if it means you have to say goodbye to Nick Gordon, who doesn't really have a, a future as a star player, just send Miranda I, or just down. Get, or just get, ready, get rid of Miranda. Send Miranda down. I love this whole thing of if they send Miranda down, who's going to play first base behind our eyes? Miranda can't play first base. He's faking it. Royce Lewis would play as good a first base. Miranda has no clue at first base. Yeah, and you could even sneak him in at shortstop a couple days a week. You know, off day for Correa or yeah, a like, DH day for like Correa. Yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nick Gordon played short yesterday. Forward. Yeah, but anyway, so, all right. Nice job, Twins. Yes, overall. Uh, oh, overall, score north. Yeah. <laughs> nice job, Twins. <laughs> Super positive. Yeah. All, right. All right, it's time now for the buffoon of the week here on Mackie and Judd. <laughs> Presented by Judd. Who's your buffoon of the week this week? All right, this one's a slam dunk. It's so simple, and no, it's not from the world of basketball. It is former twin, now current Bronx Bomber third baseman Josh Donaldson, who really lives up to the buffoon tag perfectly, and here's why. He admitted that in a run-in with Tim and Anderson of the White Sox on Saturday, that he referred to him as Jackie. Because, and I know what the defenders say, well, Tim called himself that in an SI piece in 2019, and so the correlation to Robinson is absolutely fine. That's what Anderson said himself. Okay. First of all, in society, there are certain things that certain people can say of certain colors that are taken very differently, all right? So if you are a white guy and you decide to, like of all the things, and look, it sounds like it, like Tim Anderson can be a pain in the ass, okay? And there's a lot of things on a baseball field that if you don't like him and he does not like you, that you can still say. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of words that can still be used, and they're certainly not nice, but they aren't going to be construed as racist. But to invoke the name of Jackie Robinson continues in a buffoon of the week way. It continues. And here's my biggest problem. Donaldson's inability to get it. So, like, if this was the first slip up, I'd be like, okay, that's really not very cool. But you know what? Respected guy. Well liked. And I was, to be very clear here. If you're saying this right now, I was 1,000% on board with his signing because I thought he would bring a competitive atmosphere. I thought that he was a super intense guy, but it would be used for good. But you know what you realize 
you realize as you as you pay attention to the instance with him now because of his time here, it's things like kicking dirt on home plate, which the team clearly, the Twins in Chicago, didn't like. Um, it's things like when he, he homers off Giolito, screaming as he crosses home plate. It's not sticky now. It's not sticky now. The only problem is your team stinks at that time. It's calling out Garrett Cole publicly, all of which isolated. I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, I sort of get that. But Josh Donaldson's sense of entitlement of how to go about things for a guy who at times has certainly here not been on good teams, I think proves to him, and this is the icing on the proverbial cake to me, he is the buffoon of the week. All right. I uh, This is a tough one. Because most of the other things you reference, like the Garrett Cole stuff and the Lucas Giolito stuff, I loved that stuff. That stuff was hilarious. I thought calling out pitchers for crossing the line with spider tack and other substances was totally fair game. And I was good with all those things. This incident, it's hard because I don't know enough about I don't know enough about Donaldson to say that he's racist. Because I don't know him in his personal life. I don't know. Agree completely. I don't know. I, and, and the fact that he came out and spoke to the media and said, listen, here, here is like the three-year backstory behind what happened. Yes, I said, I, yes, I called him Jackie. Mm-hmm. It was, it was a, sort of a, a mocking reference to himself because Tim Anderson painted himself as the modern-day Jackie Robinson, which you could argue is also potentially disrespectful to Jackie Robinson because Tim Anderson has gone through a fraction at most of what Jackie Robinson went through in the 1940s. And so like we, there's a whole other conversation about painting yourself as the modern day Jackie Robinson. Um, So I think this is more just Josh Donaldson being oblivious to social norms. And if you're going to, if you're going to mock or chide a black baseball player, even if it's his own reference, probably stay away from Jackie. In that situation, well, yeah, there's there's probably other ways you can clown and mock a guy yeah. on a baseball field than than using Jackie, even if Tim was the one that called himself the modern day Jackie Robinson. I think it's I think my problem as a whole is this: Donaldson's entitlement to basically uh, drag his team into things is fairly high. And again, if this was like one or two things, I'd be like, okay, yeah, that's not great, but but it's funny because I I agree the whole spider attack thing as an isolated thing I enjoyed. Now I will say when he crossed home plate against the White Sox, screaming, "It's not sticky." If I'm his teammate, especially like the next guy up, I'm probably like, dude, don't. Like, why? Why are you doing that? Now I as as a fan find it to be funny, but if I put, but I'll never forget. Um, a couple days before the season started, asking Buxton, how much different is this clubhouse? And he's like, it's not even close. It's not even close. And and I've said this the whole time, you guys. We were never in that clubhouse during Donaldson's time here. So I don't have any idea. Like, I have... I, no, because no media was allowed. Exactly, for, because of the yeah. pandemic. But the point is... I have no idea if he is is racist at all. I don't know. But what I know is from what Buxton said, guys like him, and my guess is Simmons as well, because he, he was also a weird dude. Uh, now, I don't think that he was an inflammatory statement dude, but I do think that, that he was odd. But the fact is, um, when you hear a team talk about basically 
in a very roundabout way, being glad to be rid of guys, you can't ignore it. And I think what Donaldson did on Saturday at least exposes a little bit of the unnecessary distractions that he brings to his team. Yeah. Yeah, super. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Yankees. I think that's an organization where maybe like that type of stuff is is just so small on the scale of I think other they defended distra- him distractions too. in New York. Like the fans defended him, which well, I don't know which that. fans. All the the, I mean, the, the Yankees white, fans, fifty year old fans. Well, yeah, that but are I mean, bleeding Yankees fans. But I'm but saying yeah, that's a weird. You know, really credible. Yeah. No, I agree. I wouldn't <laughs> defend it, but they definitely. I think that Tony they tried from Yonkers, to spin I guess, it. Yeah. But yeah, he's he is. You know what, Josh is? He's a knucklehead. He's, he's also the buffoon of the week here. Uh, Mackie and Judd love the buffoon right. of the week. Me too. All right, boys. <laughs> statements aren't over yet. Let's dive into another round of statements here, because over the weekend, some amazing Timberwolves news surfacing. <laughs> this might have been. You, did you guys touch on some of this on Friday as it was coming out, or was this mostly over the weekend? The uh, Pobo stuff. Talked with Dukes a little bit. We talked about it on Friday, but but the Woj report, which is I think what you're referencing, came yeah. out on Saturday. So we did we did not touch on that. So let's combine a couple reports into my first statement here, Timberwolves related. Mm-hmm. I love that Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez are thinking big. They are big game hunting. And Doogie's been floating this for months, yes. like going back to even you know, late 2021, that those guys, they like Sachin Gupta, but they view this as their one shot to let's go hire, let's go make a big home run, big fish hire. And so the first round of reporting came from Dane Moore and a couple others. But let's give our guy Dane Moore some credit here, friend of the show, Dane Moore NBA podcast. He said Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez put together a list of five presidents of basketball operations, POBO, for those of you abbreviating at home, to target shortly after purchasing the Timberwolves a year ago. Sources say Pat Riley was originally on that list. That's incredible. Yes. <laughs> we joked we, about this we last week. Mm-hmm. But they legitimately at some point reached out to Pat Riley. I just want to say that the Showtime Lakers show on HBO prompted not only me to buy this book from the early 90s, Pat Riley, the winner within. Yep. My wife also independently bought this for me for my birthday. So I now have two copies of oh, Pat nice. Riley's book from 1992. Very nice. <laughs> or whenever it is. Uh, the other names on the list, and we'll get to Tim Connolly because he has become the name on the list now, the Denver Nuggets executive. But Masai Ujiri, Daryl Morey, Bob Myers from Golden State, and Sam Presti. Basically... If you put Pat Riley on here instead of maybe Conley or something, the Mount Rushmore of elite executives running front offices in the NBA. Where's Jerry and West? The goal is to just to just pay one. Well, West would have been on there before, yeah, like five or ten years ago. Are you kidding? Yeah. And then the Woj report that you refer to, the Nuggets president Tim Connolly is traveling to meet with Minnesota owner Glenn Taylor this last weekend in what is the next step in the Wolves' pursuit to hire Connolly and make him one of the league's highest compensated executives. All that's standing between the Timberwolves and one of the top NBA executives is Glenn Taylor looking him in the eye. Oh. I want you to look me in the eye, Sonny. It's a piece of apple pie at the kitchen table with Becky. Have some of Becky's lasagna and look me He's in like, the I'm eye. He's like, I'm not much of a, I'm not much of a lasagna guy. Glenn's like, you're out then. Mark, do you A-Rod, like not gonna work? Do you like mustard flavored potato salad? Or you know, just let us know. Let us know. 
So, all right, what do you make of this this big game hunting that's landed the Timberwolves on on Tim Connolly's doorstep? Well, first of all, can we just write that last check then and have this deal done? Like, do we really? Are we really Dude, going? What to if be... Glenn puts up a stop sign? No, I know that's, that's what I'm saying. Or, or just a or or Connolly's like, wait a second, this guy owns a franchise through December of 23, and they're like, yeah, that you know what? That's that. Connolly's like, I'm out of here. See you later. Bye. Um, yeah, can we just get this done now? Because I love this, and I love where they're going. Um, and I think I think where they're going here is pretty obvious. Like, this is the Mon Pa thing is done. I, I liken this a lot to when Red sold the Vikings to the Wilfs. Because the Vikings at that time were very Mon Pa. Winter Park was a mess. It was just a bleep hole. Um, the team was cheap as hell, right? And it went from that to, oh, no, we're going to spend now. So I think that's where this is going. I just, I guess I hesitate because of the fact that it's it's a year from December when Glenn is officially going to sell. So, Phil, it's funny to say, but I sort of do think, is this going to put up some roadblocks in what these two potentially are trying to do? Because it's clear they're trying to expedite the process. I appreciate that. But to say that Glenn does not concern me would be a complete lie. And we've seen no reporting yet as of the recording of this. So things could change. And I'm guessing we're going to get some word today or tomorrow. The other thing, too, is, and we'll get we'll get you some background here on Connolly uh, for those that are unfamiliar, but he could easily take what the Timberwolves have done here in this process, right? What's the offer? Okay, I talked with Glenn Taylor. Go back to Denver and Stan Kroenke and that ownership group and get them to match. So th- this might, who knows, well, I what's going to happen here in the coming days. I think Glenn's going to have to agree to give Conley a piece of the team, in which case I think that Denver won't match that. So I really think that this is largely on Glenn's plate, which again but is why I'm KG, very how's concerned. How's KG going to feel about that? So this uh, random Tim Connolly guy that's been running the Nuggets for dude, the last five years gets a slice of the dude. team, but KG, KG can't get a snap. They're try- the, KG look, can't get 1%? There won't be one thing repaired between KG and this team until January of 24. And that's when the repairing will probably start well, and be done quickly. Wasn't the issue, well, there's many issues, but wasn't the issue on Glenn Taylor's side, listen, I'm not just going to give KG a slice of ownership. He's going to have to buy in like anyone else would. And KG going through some fine didn't kg lose like yeah 70 million dollars in a ponzi scheme or something unfortunately, uh, unfortunately so would, would they did. would they be giving Connolly just to lure him over that yes. guessing he wouldn't have to buy in they would just give him a slice of correct. ownership right correct all right well let's make it happen boys let's get it in here tim Big game um oh just real quick here i'm like do you guys have tim Connolly related statements or yeah Okay. I got one. Go ahead, Dex. All right. All right. I'll keep it keep it on Tim Connolly here. Uh, my statement is the Wolves should aspire to be the Nuggets. And if you really look, too, at what Connolly has built uh, in Denver during his draft picks over the last, like, five, six years, it's actually pretty damn impressive because the Nuggets have, haven't picked as high as uh, – they've only picked as high as seventh since taking Jamal Murray, which obviously was a steal. Uh, great pick there. But they've also gotten Michael Porter Jr. at 14th, Nurkic at 16th. They took Malik Beasley at 19th. Gary Harris at 19th. Obviously, the Joker at 41 was was one of the best draft steals in the last five, six years. Jared ba- Vanderbilt was drafted by the Nuggets under Tim mm-hmm. Connolly in, at, at the 41st pick. So, what he's been able to do with that Nuggets roster of them not being in the lottery, and look, the Wolves were not in the lottery this year, right? For, the, for only like the second time in the last 15, 16 years. 
this is exactly what, what Tim Connolly has built in Denver. This is what the Wolves should be aspired to mm-hmm. be. And I know Denver's still like that mid-market team. Yes, they're not Golden State. They're, they're not Miami right now. They're not Boston. But this is ex- what the Nuggets have built. The Wolves can do the same. And Tim Connolly running the show here, I think, would be awesome. Yeah, since he took over, so he was he was with the front office in Denver for a, maybe three or four years before he took over the entire front office in 2017, the summer of 17. And since that stretch, the Nuggets are 241 and 150 in the regular season. That's an average of 51 wins in an 82-game season. The Timberwolves haven't won 51 games in any season since 2003-2004. Four playoff series wins over the last five years and a trip to the Western Conference Finals, and all of this despite being ravaged by bad luck injuries. I mean, Jamal Murray missed the whole season. Yep. So it, it, so it, it would have been nice to see what would they have done with a healthy Jamal Murray last year and this year in the playoffs around Nikola Jokic. So very I got one more on that. I got one more on that. My statement is this. I know the blueprint. Who are the Wolves? Because Dex is right, but I think there's two teams that, that these guys are looking at directly right now and saying that is us. One is the Mavericks. Mark Cuban, players love him. They love playing for him. He gives them all of the amenities. The other team is the Bucks. Why? One, the Bucks won a championship. And last time I checked, the Bucks are not that far away from here. So it's not like, oh my God, the Bucks won a championship, but the Wolves can't. If you are, if you just bought this team, you're basically saying, why not? And the last thing is, what do the Bucks have that that the Wolves want beyond Giannis, an arena? If you get Conley and you build this t- team up, why are you doing it? Because you're not doing it to be like, I hope we can win a LOB in Target Center, which is a, just a great building. No, that's a piece of crap. They want out, and they should. But if they put together a team that can win and draw fans, which, by the way, the playoffs proved they can. There are plenty of basketball fans here. And if they yeah. put a consistently good competitive product in the transition from Glenn uh, to them, then guess what's next? And I'm not saying this as a bad thing. In, in my opinion, it's a good thing. A new building. A state-of-the-art, Mark Laurie, probably largely designed building. So I really think that the blueprint is the Mavs and the Bucks, which I think is fair. Yeah, I think. Uh, oh, I, and, and if you if you aren't excited about the idea of Tim Connolly, I'm going to give you a couple reasons to jump on the bandwagon here in a second. But uh, let's first shout out one of our partners, Meadows at Mystic Declan. I feel like most people get that itch after watching a major, so oh, people absolutely. probably want to get out and swing some clubs this week. Yeah, I, I was glued to my TV screen and the golf course. I got out on Thursday and I got out on Saturday, and the Meadows at Mystic Lake down in Prior Lake offers a unique, challenging, and scenic golf experience. It's great golf. Visit golfthemeadows.com to book your tee time and learn more. And also, they have a great full-service bar, the Meadows Bar and Grill. So once you're done with that round, or even before the round starts, you can grow, grab a grab a, maybe a Surly Furious, grab your favorite beverage, whatever you want to do. Sit out there in the patio. It's Golf the Meadows uh, at Mystic Lake, at the Meadows Golf Course at Mystic Lake. Visit GolfTheMeadows.com to learn more. Also, Federated Insurance has been a partner of ours at Score, Mackie and Jeb, Purple Daily for a number of years. Uh, if you're a business owner, and by the way, they've been they've been teamed up with the Timberwolves for a long time too. If you're a business owner out there, Federated is all about risk management, protecting your company and uh, maximizing the success of your company. Federated Insurance exists to serve the evolving risk management and insurance needs of your business. Find out more at federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. All you need to know, my next statement, 
about Tim Connolly is how Denver fans and media are reacting to this news, and they are distraught. I'm going to read you some comments. These are just random comments from Denver sports media and talking heads over the last, like, 48 hours or so. If Tim Connolly is anywhere but Denver come fall, the Nuggets aren't serious and never will be. (laughs) Wow. I've been defending Tim Connolly online for so many years now, and suddenly I'm realizing I might have just been watching the show Lost. Like, this is how it ends? WTF? Mm Mm-hmm. Stan Kroenke is one of the richest owners in the NBA, and all Tim Conley wants is to be paid like a top pobo. That's it. He doesn't want to leave Denver, but he'll make the right decision for him and his family. The cheap Kroenke's. The Kroenke's letting Tim Conley go is just flabbergasting. Tim is one of the best executives in the NBA, a person who has shown kindness, maturity, and leadership to the Nuggets organization. Would be devastating and infuriating to lose him. And then someone else, uh, a, a, a podcaster and writer, who jumped on Dane Morse podcast said, do you want me to just cry for 30 minutes? <laughs> wow. So they are, yep. if, if they were just like, ah, oh, whatever, he's just kind of a guy in the front office. And this is really right. just Jokic carrying everything, so but saying, it sounds like they would the be man. devastated to lose Tim Connolly in Denver. Pay the man. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. I don't have a wolves one, but I got a basketball one. Wiggy's been unlocked. That's right. That's right. Let's see. Yesterday, in, in Golden State, they go 3-0 on the, the Mavs. Wiggins, 27 points, 11 for 20 shooting, uh, 11 boards. And here's the most interesting stat, because this is something, Phil, that you used to talk about when he was playing here. 18 points in the restricted area. And so I think fans are now like, oh, man, see the Timberwolves, why couldn't they have gotten that? And the answer, I believe, is very simple. Andrew, if he knows his role and he can supplement, can be a star. He could be absolutely fantastic. But when he's counted to be one of the big two, he comes and he goes. And when he goes, he can go for a long stretch of time and you can't afford that. So I would argue that that despite the fact that I think there's now going to be probably a couple of years after the fact pushback about, well, how could they trade him? I mean, look at this. This is him. This is him in the right circumstance. And the circumstance that he is now playing in for him is particularly good because he can he can flash at times. And when he does, my God, he's good. But the reality was, I think if you had left him here and said, hey, go ahead and mature and we'll continue to pay you, you never would have gotten the payoff, unfortunately, that Golden State is seeing unless it was Carl, Ant, and maybe somebody else, too. So this is the very difficult thing about a player who I'll go back to his first year against Cleveland when he had been traded by the Cavaliers to the Wolves, said, I played really well because I was motivated for that game. Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, he also murdered Luca on live TV last night. Oh and the 100%. officials called an offensive foul. That's, it reminded me of the Anthony Edwards. Now they they reversed this one last night. I thought the thankfully. same thing. And then the media asked Luca after the game, and he was like, he wasn't even embarrassed. He was like, "Yeah, that was amazing." <laughs> that I guy, that guy posterized me. He did, yeah. And and look at at his best, he can do that to guys. He's that good. Yeah. Well, I think to your to your point, it's the expectation is so different in San Francisco for him with the Warriors. Like, he's the fourth guy slashing, cutting. Yep. He's able to play off ball, grab rebounds, focus his energy defensively. Okay, we need you to stop Luka for a while here, which is not entirely possible. You know, 
all those things that you wanted more of in Minnesota, but he was also burdened with being the top scorer at times. He just like he never figured out how to shoulder all of it. He just had to take some stuff off his plate. And he goes to the Warriors. It's like, dude, you know, we'll take your scoring, but these two or three guys, Jordan Poole, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, they got the scoring part of it. And even Draymond, like Draymond's gonna be a similar defender. He's gonna kind of roam around. So just fit in where you can. And if the expectation is fit in where you can and do what you can, he's exceeding that bar. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you can look and say that the expectation should have been different in Minnesota. He was the number one overall pick. I, yes, he made I agree. all that money. You know, he was he was supposed to do more in Minnesota, and it wound up being a great trade for the Warriors. And I and I still think you know what the Timberwolves got out of D'Angelo Russell to this point and helping them get to the playoffs. It was also a great trade to offload Wiggins and bring in D'Angelo Russell. And now they have to make a decision to maybe move off D'Angelo Russell, but it was the right move for both franchises. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All, right. All right. Good session there. Good talk. Hello, Wolves. I'm excited for no Tim No golf, Conley. you guys? I thought one of you would have a golf statement. Uh, sure, I'll give you one. Here. I mean, that was um, an okay. epic meltdown. I uh, don't feel bad when players melt down. They're just like us? I mean... Mito Pereira, one of the great meltdowns in golf history. And people are, oh my god, I feel so bad. I don't know. He's, we still want he a lot of money. Down. He yeah. couldn't handle. He couldn't handle the moment. No. <laughs> yeah. And he won eight hundred seventy thousand dollars. Mito Pereira will be fine. That's my beyond that's my that. <laughs> beyond like kicking a field goal to win a game. Is there any more pressure than than golf though? Because I feel like you're totally no. exposed. Dude, did you see his last tee shot? Like, yeah, like the, the that's swing, what I'm his swing. But I mean, he, it's, it's like just... he short circuited mentally and was trying to do something totally different. With he was trying to put some extra left to right on, and it's yep. like he wound up just he wound up doing like a half swing. Yeah, what do you and dude? the and the chip getting on the green was just abysmal. And they even were saying, I can't believe he's not going to go to the front of the pin. And all because like the wind was coming at him super hard, I believe. And and he wasn't even examining it, and he just hits a duff of the chip, like horrible chip, yeah. dude, horrible. Yeah, Nick, chip. Nick Faldo, Nick Faldo, before he even hit the chip, was like, if if this were me, I would walk all the way yeah. up to the pin, see what's happening with the terrain, with the right. wind, and then go back. And he was he was rushing. I think he just wanted to get done with the round very quickly before his mind started. That tee shot, even he just painful. He just Awful. all of a sudden he's just like teeing off on eighteen. It's like what? He's not. These guys are cyborgs, though. Like when when you consider that most of them don't flinch, like uh, a lot of them. Well, a, a lot of them, but I'm saying a lot of them don't. Like it's amazing that there are certain guys that don't flinch. Well, I think the guys who like Justin Thomas has you know 20 career wins on tour and sure. he's contending all the time. He was the only one that didn't flinch among the five or six guys yeah. at the top because none of those other guys had ever won a tournament, and they're just. Even Zalat, like Zalatoris, he's going to win majors, but that guy's yeah. never won a tournament on the PGA mm-hmm. Tour. I admire that. So though. they just get, I'd pee my pants. I was, I was rooting for Zalatoris, <laughs> but you, you kind of knew. J, I mean, JT's been there, done that. You know, it wasn't too surprising to see JT win, but I do think Zalatoris is going to be here for a while. He's going to be contending now. Nice. I like him. Yes, definitely. Like you like him because you guys kind of look alike. We do look kind of spookily alike. Yeah. Hair? Hair, yeah. If, I, if, he, if he's more blonder who, than whose me. Whose hair is better? Like, if, if we had a hair off, who would Me. Like, are you saying that? Is that totally true, Phil? Me, Phil. I think that's probably probably true. Yeah, me. Yeah, but he's got these long. You get so you upset about he's your got hair. these long, lanky arms. Like, yeah, like he's just he's kind of thin. Look, by the he's, way, he's, yeah, that shot of you going golfing on Friday, I believe uh, Thursday. 
Thursday? Yeah, okay. Ross, Ross had to grab a photo. Dude, can you just gain some weight? I've tried for years, dude. I it, It's I, incredible. Like, you're almost 30 now. I know. I Trust me, everyone in my life like that, loves me and that says the exact same thing. And my mother's metabolism. It's my. Well, I'm not worried about you, but it just looks look like me. Like, you look like you're 18. Well, that's fine. Yeah, I, have no. No, I, I have no problem with people who think I look younger. Like, that's fine. Like, I, it, does, it does, does not bug me. Especially, like, if a bartender wants my card, like, that's totally okay. Yeah, you should embrace like that. Like, that, that, that's my totally My God, right. are you thin? I, I don't, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't do anything for me. This, yeah. this episode just turned awfully judgy here in the last two yeah, minutes. No, sure. no, he's, it's sure good to be thin. Happening. What do you mean? Let Declan I admire live his life. Yeah, I, I, don't know. I let, absolutely let do. Life. I'm a little bit taken by how much he defends his hair, but that's about it. Like he gets well, very upset. Yeah, no, mean, I know, you, but you, I did it because I wanted to you see. You are the one driving all of this in the last yeah. few minutes. I realize that, but I wanted to see if he still got as, as, as upset. And I mean, he gets wound tight about his hair. It's very important to me. I mean, it's good hair. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it's very important. Phil's got none and mine stinks. Mm-hmm. Very important. I got bad hair. I'm, I'm not going to lie, you guys. Look at this mop. If you, look at that. That's just like how a, long, that's like How a long can we keep going, keep going until... Yeah. You, I, look, it's a Monday. I had some thoughts. Did you see did <laughs> statements? You see I had bad hair. Did you see the clip of us trying to open the show on Friday too, Phil? No. I oh, this is great. Everything. It's on my, I'll send it to you. It, it, oh, I thought you are going to play it. It's no, fantastic. I don't have it on me. But, I completely but spaced I, out. I told you, hey, no clip. We'll just roll off the top. And that meaning once the flash graphic stops for the audience well, who has no I, idea what that means yeah. in, the, in the jargon, like just start yeah, talking. Just go. And we let it go there, and it just the flash graphic goes, and Judge just staring at the camera. I'm staring at the I'm camera. I'm drinking my coffee. And I'm like, I totally are, do you want to open the show? Should yeah. I open? And the then show? I came up with an elaborate excuse for why I didn't, but it was all BS. I just I go totally away for spaced one out. Day, one day, one day, I totally, no one, no, you can't even start the show. I said, <laughs> look, you know what? This is what makes a podcast great. The, the lack of being able to start exactly. the show. Well, or, no, yeah. but you know what? If this had been on on the station, it would be like, you forgot to start the show. This is a problem. Come into my office. Now it's just like, yeah, it's I weird. forgot to start the show. Because there's a huge, you know, you can't, you can't have dead air yep. you know, on the, on the podcast. Radio. I just <laughs> forgot. I was drinking my, my Follies coffee and I forgot. Maybe we'll have Judd open the show tomorrow. All right, Mackie and Judd, no, uh, over you. on Purple Daily, if you, if you think Chris Sims' quarterback rankings are compelling. <laughs> Old Macadac, for the second year in a row, has his quarterback rankings on Purple Daily. See you guys. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.